So I've been watching this YouTube video. There's so many things to this, you're just gonna be in total shock and awe. So hold on to your socks. Been watching this YouTube video, uh, released by a fantastic channel. If you don't follow him already, you should. It's called I Finished a Video Game. Fantastic channel. Uh, this YouTube video is only five hours long. Dead serious. Five hours, five minutes, 27 seconds. Are you turning into me? Uh, I am one hour and 14 minutes and 35 seconds in. Sheesh. It's only taken me a month. Still not memeing. <laughs> but this YouTube video made me realize that the first ARPG I ever played, so Diablo-like game that I ever played in my life, <laughs> was the two towers on the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> That's that's fair. I did not. I mean, I have very fond memories of playing that game, but I didn't even remember the loot system and grind basically that was in it. I was like, oh my gosh, that's probably why I like ARPGs so much because of my fond memories of that game. Yeah, that was a very fun one. I played that. It was on yeah the Game Boy Advance. That yeah. was a that was a nice little. It was it, it was nice. It wasn't too deep. But it was wow. it was enough that I got interested. And I, I definitely remember that the story's a bit choppy. Like you have the Balrog fight, even though the game is called Two Towers. So yeah. it's kinda all over the place. Because there wasn't a fellowship game. But yeah. then there was a Return of the King game. Right. So dumb. They uh This video talks about it. It is Lord of the Rings video game retrospective and exhaustive history and review. Oh yeah. Because it's only five hours and five minutes long. I, I see. Uh, so far, it's a very good video, and it was very funny that <laughs> Lord of the Rings on the Game Boy was my first ARPG. Welcome back to Dime Gaming Bros, where we talk about video games, in case that's not clear by the title or the cold open. I'm one of your co-hosts, Spencer. Joined by my other co-host, Jacob. Hello, I'm here who's slurping his drink like a baby. Uh, we like to talk about video games and stuff. And uh, we try to get them for cheap without stealing them. We try to get them cheap legally. If that's what you say. Um, Dumpster diving at GameStop is not illegal. That is typically true. So Generally true. I have a piece of trivia for you, yes. sir. What was the first video game to be played in space? Space Invaders. Nope. Dang. No, sir. That would be too on the nose for reality. It would be. <laughs> the universe would collapse in on itself. Um, <laughs> the aliens would take offense and be like, no, you're playing it wrong, and then zap us out of space for real. True. So, uh, this month, I played Sunset Overdrive, which is an action-adventure shooter developed by Insomniac Games and published by Microsoft Studios. It is an Xbox One exclusive. 
Uh, it is set in 2027 in a fictional metropolis called Sunset City. The player controls an employee of Fizco who has to fight off the OD, short for Overcharged Drinkers, humans who have turned into mutants after drinking Fizco's energy drink beverage. So it's a video game about killing speedrunners that are too hopped up on Mountain Dew. Yes. Cool. In the dystopian Sunset City, the player the player character can wall run, use zip lines, and grind rails to swiftly navigate through it with a large arsenal of weapons to use. It also has a multiplayer mode, which I have not played and will not discuss. Uh, so, this does not have any cover. It is not a cover shooter. It is a momentum shooter. So, uh, if you had played this before playing Insomniac's Marvel's Spider-Man on PS4, or Marvel's Spider-Man, Sony's Miles Morales, whatever the hell that game was called, <laughs> um... This game actually makes a lot of sense as a predecessor to that because you can, in theory, just kind of run around, but it's really hard to play the game like that. You need to use zip lines, jump off of, like, cars, jump on rails, and grind across the city to, like, a very mediocre pop-punk soundtrack. Um, um, I, I want to interject for a second. <laughs> While it is the daddy to Spider-Man, it's also the child to Injust... In 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 infamous yes, which I have not played yet. But very similar there. motions, as far as I understand it. See, si, Senor, this was a launch title for the Xbox One. It was one of the very few, and is kind of criminally underrated, um, just because it has a very loud and vibrant aesthetic, as well as being uh, bold and brash. Um, a lot of people got turned off by that, which makes no sense because Xbox gamers are known for being obnoxious douchebags. So you'd think they'd like this. Um, Only because of the Halo fan base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, basically you play as a, a create-your-own-character who's a basically just a blank template, and you go around the city and you kill people because they drank a really bad soda that this company made that you work for. So it's like the most light of critique on stuff and things, but also most of the game just consists of you blowing the hell out of monsters. So when you created your character, were you Geralt of Rivia? <laughs> no, although were, I should have tried that. Were you King Spawn? I was something that looked vaguely like me. As close Whoa. as I can get it. Um, so yeah, the art style is very loud. I wouldn't say neon, but it's pretty darn close to neon. Uh, think bright sunny days all the time. Everything is cranked up to 11 on terms of color and saturation and like everything. If I remember right, it's kind of like a D-made Borderlands. <laughs> kind of? More like Borderlands with the color turned up and without the cell shading. Yeah. Something along those lines, yeah. Um, the general aesthetic is very well in line with that. Everything is bulbous and over the top and doesn't make any sort of real sense in terms of physics or proportions. The, the characters are caricatures. The mutants don't make any sort of biological sense whatsoever. Neither do the physics in this game, but the game does have a very strong physics engine, which is extremely necessary for the gameplay to flow, which it does super well once you get the hang of it, as well as just being fun. Like, there is... 
<laughs> relevant topic. Uh, a recent Sonic reveal came out, and the apparently the gameplay had like no real physics engine to it or whatever. I'm not sure what the hell's going on with that. But a game like a Sonic game where your speed and velocity is extremely important needs a good physics engine. This game also needs that. You spend the whole game grinding, basically skateboarding all across the city. You can't really beat the game if you just run around. You will die very quickly. You're constantly on the run. Um, and you just, there's no, there's nothing to hide. There's no, you can't just stand there and shoot things. They will kill you. There's four or five enemy types that I can recall. Um, they all have a somewhat unique place in the play space. Think, what if Halo's The Dance gameplay, which is what it was referred to as internally, the, the intricate gameplay of you going back and forth with the enemies in the current play space, you know, you can't really play Halo like a cover shooter type, whatever. You you need to constantly be moving. Yeah, it encourages it heavily based on its gunplay. It's more of an arena shooter than a cover-based shooter. Yeah, so think that, but, like, more. So close to, like, what if Doom 2016 was, like, fun without being gory? Easy. Like Easy. the tone, the tone <laughs> is fun and goofy. Oh, not violent and right. gritty. Yeah. Okay, it's okay. very violent, but it's very goofy and over the top. The blood is crazy, obscene colors. Like it's it's a a lighter hearted game. Um, I believe it's rated teen as well. I don't think so. Let me check. It feels like it's rated teen. A few moments later. Rated M for mature. Ah, screw you. Mission failed. We'll get them next time. Blood and gore, drug reference, sexual themes, violence, and strong language. Okay, this feels like, uh, it feels like a teen game to me, being an early 20-something-something. Something. Um, it comes across, like, not really Deadpool-esque, but in that vein of, like, it's gross and vulgar, but for the sake of comedy in and of itself, not so really... it's gratuitous? Gratuitous, but childish. So not like gratuitous, whereas you get, I don't know, like a... Not fi- exploitative. Yeah, like Final Final Destination is gratuitous in its kills, but it's because they're supposed to be horrific, they're not really supposed to be funny. Deadpool doesn't say fuck because he wants you to take it seriously. Deadpool says fuck because it's funny and you're 14. Yet the movie was rated R, even though its target demographic is 14-year-olds. That's what I mean. Is this... Okay, yeah, 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 it's rated mature. This is meant for, like, 15-year-olds. It's like, ooh, what if we said fuck and they're boobs and we run around and we blow stuff up. It's like that. So it's very silly. It's very over the top. Um, I love that presentation. It can't, I did not play this when it came out, which is when I would have been 14, 13, 14. So I fit into the target demographic, but I didn't have an Xbox then. So not an Xbox one anyways. So I missed out on that, but it was very nice to play that now. It does have a very, I can't keep using the same word fun over and over again. My vocabulary is only limited when it comes to things relating to fun. Um, you're just not used to it. Nope, just not used to finding words for that. I don't know. The gameplay is exciting. It keeps you on your toes, but it's not overly difficult. The boss battles are pretty darn straightforward. The enemies are somewhat well-balanced for what it is. The story is really straightforward. It's just a vessel that gets you to gameplay, and that's fine. Can you please go back to the soundtrack? Because you sounded sort of negative on that, and I've only heard glowing reviews about it. It just, it's a lot of cheap licensed music. Like, there's some more expensive tracks that they clearly had to license out, but, like, the general vibe is it feels like 
they didn't have the money to get a better soundtrack. Like the tone, it's like a pop punk with some like heavier rock thrown in there. It's very in your face, aggressive stuff. Hmm. But the, the, some of the songs that they have, which are clearly licensed from actual bands aren't, they're just not as high profile as I would have wanted for this type of a game. It is what it is. The game also had a somewhat limited budget, from what I've heard, in comparison to most Xbox Game Studios games, especially at that time. Uh, the, the Xbox One is notorious for having a really rough launch period, uh, including its games catalog. So, True story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, story is really straightforward. Music is good. Nothing nothing spectacular, but it, it's good. It, it functions well for what it is. Presentation's all good. Technologically speaking, nothing is astounding, even by 2013 standards. The graphics are fine. The art style is cool, but it's not like, oh my gosh, I can see their nose hairs. It's like, it's not high fidelity. It's not super high polygons. It's not super high textures. It needs to be smooth because of the type of gameplay that this game has and requires you to utilize. You would want to optimize your refresh rate versus your graphical settings would be the recommendation. You need it to run smoothly and quickly and not be too worried about textures not loading correctly. Um... I had very few tech problems. I played this on the Xbox Series X, so that may have something to do with it. Um, I did I did play it originally two or three years ago on the original Xbox One, the OG VHS player-looking thing. Um, and it, I don't recall any serious issues with it then. You have your occasional, like, button inputs not working correctly or... Um, yeah, mostly just, like, buttoning, but it, it, sometimes the responsiveness isn't stupendous, um, but no real... It, it's not like playing Assassin's Creed and then you just randomly jump off of a building in the wrong direction because you didn't even press any buttons or something like that. There's no crashes, no major game-breaking bugs that I encountered, uh, no serious graphical problems. I just made sure that the refresh rate was on higher and then the graphic settings I just kind of left alone. Runs well. It's fun. Uh, the main the, the campaign took me about eight hours to play on the middle difficulty, which is roughly equivalent to normal. Um, that is my second playthrough. Yeah. So would you ever dare play hard difficulty? Uh, to get the achievement. Is that the highest difficulty or is there like a, a realistic? I don't remember, that? honestly. Hmm. I don't pay that much attention to those details. Um I bought it originally two years ago for $20 off of the $20 rack because this game, despite the fact that it is fairly well uh, taken by critics, it just was not popular on release at all. Uh, it was one of the reasons why the original Xbox One kind of tanked on release, which is lame, but whatever. Um, so it, it went on the, the discount rack very quickly after that. Um, but for being... I bought it seven years after release on the $20 rack, and now I'm I'm replaying it about nine years after release. Holds up very well. Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend picking it up if you have any of the Xbox One or above consoles. Uh, it's also on PC under, I believe, Windows 10 and Steam as of a couple of years ago, so you can probably play it on, play it on that as well. I was going to say, at the time of recording, it is the Steam Summer Sale. 
until July 7th. So this episode will come out a few days before that, and it is $5 on Steam. Now that's a steal. Um, yeah, strong recommendation for oh, basically anyone, honestly. If you like action games at all, strong enjoy, much like Jacob's going on to Steam right this hot second to buy it based on, based on my recommendation. Nah, I'm so influential. It's not true. Nah, I think it's true. I need another hint for the first video game played in space. It is a game Whoa. that is very well known. It is very popular. And it has been out for a very, very long time. Pac-Man. No. But you're getting closer. <laughs> kind of. Shall we roll into the news then? We shall roll into the news. So from IGN.com, we already had a release window for Final Fantasy 16, which would be summer of 2023. Uh, it's being planned for release on the PlayStation 5 and PC, but it was revealed at Sony State of Play event. Sony's State of Play? All right. It was revealed at Sony's State of Play event. That Final Fantasy 16 also got a new trailer, uh, and we got the first look at gameplay after previous. S Who wrote this? <laughs> uh, first look at gameplay uh, th through cinematics, I guess, was the intended edit there. We saw some gameplay. Whoa. Wow. I had some thoughts about this. Oh, dear lord. So I've tried a bunch of fan Final Fantasies. I've tried three, which is six, I guess, depending on which country you were in. It's the highest rated one, as far as I can tell. Um, I tried <laughs> 12. That was a big oof. 12 or 13. I don't remember. Uh, and I've been slowly chipping my way through the 7 remake. I want to say it's 12 or 13, whichever one I played there, was the first game to take it from uh, turn-based fighting to this weird almost hack and slash, but you have to wait for your power-ups so that it was still kind of turn-based but it was easier to dodge and attacks and there was a lot more movement involved with it which they incorporated into the Final Fantasy 7 remake and you can see those uh, that that style is still uh, here in Final Fantasy 16 um, but the the fights themselves seemed one-on-one -on -one more often than not. Good guy versus bad guy. And with the health bar layout at the top of the screen, it almost looked like Soul Calibur, kind of. Like a, a 3D or 2.5D fighting game instead of Final Fantasy. So I'm interested to see if they've updated the combat a lot or if it's just a small tweak on what has been around for what's now a long time you know what i'm getting at yes okay vaguely thank you i think you've i think i think you got your point kind of 
Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of story in Final Fantasy, and ugh, I have had such difficulty getting into this franchise, and nothing has really grabbed me by the collar and kept me intrigued. And this game seems to be teasing six timelines or six worlds, six universes, six stories all coming together for like a great big civil war or something. It's as far as I gleaned, which sounds really big and badass. That's cool that something big is happening in a well-loved franchise, but I know nothing about it. I literally know nothing about Final Fantasy. I have tried to play the old games on a PS1. Yeah. And that is it. It looks pretty, and it looks over the top, and blades go whoosh. This is going to sound like a noob. So this might get us <laughs> our show canceled right here and now. But there's an end credit scene sort of to the trailer. If I had to guess, it looked kind of Sephirothy. Maybe? I have no idea, dude. The the bad guy from the the Final Fantasy Seven, which was also the bad guy in Kingdom Hearts and stuff, I guess. But I haven't gotten into that either. <laughs> but Sephiroth is like the biggest baddie, one of the biggest baddies in the history of big bad baddies in video games. So, excuse me if your anime-looking character looks like any other anime character. He wears black leather and has a big-ass sword. He does have a big-ass sword. Sue me. From Engadget.com, back in 2017, Sony's Insomniac Games famously tweeted that its Spider-Man game was a permanent PS4 exclusive that would never appear on Xbox or PC. Well, Sony just announced that the Spider-Man series is coming to PC with Spider-Man Remastered arriving on August 12th, 2022, and Spider-Man Miles Morales coming in the fall. That's pretty soon. <laughs> That's... Hey, two months from now, you're getting a game that's never coming to you. Wow. Yep. From footage so shown in the teaser, the visuals look pretty great. The remastered version includes adjustable render settings and ray-traced reflections, and you'll, of course, be able to use your keyboard and mouse. The game will include the full main story and its continued narrative in Spider-Man... In Marvel's Spider-Man, The City That Never Sleeps DLC, with three accompanying Peter Parker story chapters along with additional missions and challenges according to Insomniac. That's so pretty it's just, big. It's just the it's the complete version of the game. That's There's it. two DLCs that aren't listed. Well, that's because Sony is dumb. It's good that it's going to PC. Yes. But... It's interesting that they're only doing one DLC at least for now, though. That's very interesting. Who knows, man. Sony mm. is notorious for not making much sense. So... Who knows? Interesting. From comicbook.com. Capcom has confirmed that it will be taking the story of Resident Evil 4 in a bit of a different direction with its forthcoming 2023 remake. To coincide with this past week's PlayStation State of Play presentation, the longtime Japanese publisher confirmed previous reports and rumors that RE4 would be the next game in the series to get the remake treatment. And while this news on its own, has greatly excited fans. It sounds like the game's story won't be identical to the original. In a press release that Capcom let loose following the reveal of the first trailer for Resident Evil 4, it was explained that the story of the game will be reimagined with its remake. 
Capcom didn't say much about what this might mean overall, but it did make clear that any changes will be, quote, true to the promise of the original release, end quote. As for the opening portions of the story, Capcom has said that it will still center around Leon Kennedy as he travels to a remote village in pursuit of retrieving the kidnapped daughter of the President of the United States. So... Hold it. Uh... In a general sense, this shouldn't be shocking given that Capcom has largely, largely done the same thing with the storylines in its remakes of Resident Evil 2 and 3. Even though these new versions of the previous Resident Evil titles were quite similar to the original iterations, some tweaks were made in certain spots. It remains to be seen if Capcom will end up making more drastic overhauls with the story of RE4, but considering that the game is a bit longer than 2 and 3, it definitely seems like more alterations could be made with this remake. For now, all we know for certain is that Resident Evil 4 will be let loose early next year on March 24th, of 2023. When it does release, it will come to PlayStation 5, Xbox, Series X, and PC. So I'm excited that they're going to tweak it to be slightly more horror-oriented. Um, I am a little nervous that they might screw up the gameplay, though, because the gameplay is easily the best part of 4, and I like what everything that they seem to have done with the first three games getting remastered. Uh, varying shades of remake, but uh, uh, this could go sideways. I want to say I played like a third to a half of RE4 and always meant to go back and got lost in translation. I, I think like the, it. the biggest turnoff for me was the tank controls, but it did a lot of good things. There's all kinds of places you can go that goes in depth on it, but having to stand still to shoot adds tension when you have hordes of bad guys coming at you. Um, it was third person or over the shoulder or something like that, so every weapon had a laser that you had to point and judge distance and and all kinds of things that was really good so um you also had leon doing roundhouse kicks because <laughs> he's a badass finally in four um which is where the series kind of fell apart after that five and six were really action focused and kind of a power fantasy and that's what people didn't like so I can see what you're saying, where it could go wrong because they've gone wrong before. I don't know. <laughs> we we'll are going to have to wait and see. I've loved... The Resident Evil 1 remake doesn't really count, in my opinion. Yes, it's a remake, and it's bigger and better, but it's different from the 2 and 3 remakes on the new RE engine. I think they're two different beasts entirely. So, uh, I guess my biggest takeaway is that I hope RE4 isn't first person. Because that was a pretty big deal. Yeah, I highly doubt that would happen. Although, but admittedly... Uh, that's the focus of 2 and 3, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. From Eurogamer.com... 
Whispers of a Metroid Prime remaster for the Nintendo Switch have been circulating for quite some time, but a new report has claimed Nintendo is finally almost ready to share the fruits of its labor and will be releasing the long-rumored game at the end of the year. That's according to the persistently leaky Jeff Grubb, who shared the news on Giant Bomb's Game Mess Mornings show, saying he'd been told pretty definitively that an updated version of Metroid Prime 1, what he referred to as Metroid Prime Remastered, was said to be one of Nintendo's big holiday games for 2022. In the past, this is something I'd heard was in the works, Grub explained. They have things happening with that game. Now I've been told that their plans are to release that game this holiday, I think almost certainly to line up with the 20th anniversary in November. Uh, cool. I would really like Metroid Prime 4, though, which has been in development hell for like 15 years, so... What's your experience with Metroid? Uh, I like most of them that I've played. Which is... I don't remember. Dang. I like the Prime games because they're weird. I know I touched one of the Prime games, but I have no idea which one. So, I, I don't know. I have a soft spot for Metroid. Yeah. I love Metroidvania games in general, but the little bits I remember of whatever Prime game I played, it was more exploratory than than Shooter. And I really, really, really like that idea of yeah. exploratory science sci-fi stuff that just itches a scratch I didn't know I had strong agree uh, Warner Brother Games released Gotham Knights character trailers for Nightwing and Robin respectively so as I said with the last gameplay tidbit we got, Nightwing seems to be the, the most well-developed gameplay-wise. It seems to be the smoothest. I think his fighting style looks closest, close to Batman's anyway, That's, so they probably copied and it pasted seems to a be little most bit. Of it, yeah. <laughs> um, because the, night, the Red Hood gameplay was looking pretty chunky, and the weird double-jumping-in-air powers was kind of funny, and now it seems to be that all of the characters are getting some coping mechanism basically because now robin can teleport which i don't hate you said that it lo it's kind of like siri from the witcher which is fair <laughs> um i honestly just really don't like how this tim drake looks the outfits all look like ass he seems really boring and yeah he's got his bow staff but like that's it, it just doesn't I seem like, that good there were some good bow effects though like when he's overhead chopping it down onto another dude's head and the stick kind of bends like a like a hockey stick when they're doing a slap shot yeah like oh that looked really good so there there were some good things <sighs> it's hard to not have a hate boner yeah, and the, it's the like, general gameplay style and the art direction just make it hard to like just has uh, a Fortnite feel to it. Not specifically game elements, but just can't put my finger on it. Something's not right here. I don't know. I'm skeptical still. Yeah. Good trailers, though. They're fine. From Polygon.com, speaking of Metroidvania, uh, the Castlevania animated series will return to Netflix for a new project, Castlevania Nocturne. The streaming service announced Friday during its Geek End Week event. Geeked. Geek. Uh, geek. 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 Ge
A release date for more Castlevania animation wasn't announced, but with Netflix confirming only that Nocturne is now in production. The new Castlevania series will focus on writer Belmond, Belmont, I'm really special, star of uh, Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night. At least you didn't say Belend. Belend. Um, shut up. What? You said it. Belends are funny. I know. If it's accurate to the video game canon, it would be set centuries after the existing Castlevania animated series. The previous Castlevania series focused on Trevor Belmont and his allies Siphon Belnades and Alucard. It's been a while since I've watched the show. Uh, Castlevania Nocturne is led by showrunner Kevin Cold, who worked on the previous Castlevania series that streamed on Netflix from 2017 to 2021, and creator-slash-writer Clive Bradley from Project 51 Productions, and Powerhouse Animation will also return for Nocturne. So it's a new series, not a fourth or fifth season? I don't remember how many seasons there were anymore. Um, cool. Castlevania is one of the only video game adaptations that's been decent. So, yeah. cool. Which is kind of weird because, as far as I understand it, the game's stories are sort of samey. Like, vampires go burr. <laughs> and then this show comes along and has a lot of story in it. And it's like, wow. It, I don't know. It just seems like the show is very unique when compared to the games. The showrunner is Kevin Cold with a K. How cool is that? It's about as cold as Kelvin. So, we watched a thing, which we will now discuss. The thing. Uh, yes. Halo, the series, season one, from Paramount Plus. A CBS exclusive. Yeah, what used to be a CBS, uh, all, a CBS all access. So, came out in 2022. Yes, it came out in 2022. It is a nine episode season, and it has already been renewed for season two. No, I didn't know that. It was renewed for season two before season one even came out. Dang. So, basically, this adaptation of the Halo universe takes place in the Silver timeline, which is similar yet very different. Uh, it's hard to tell exactly where this timeline would have quote-unquote diverged. It's just different. It has a lot of similar elements, but a lot of things are very different, which gives the showrunners more creative liberty, but it also means that they have a pretty easy crutch to lean on. So, let's just run through the cast. That makes it easier. So, uh, Pablo Shriver as John Halo himself, <laughs> um, I quite like. As Halo Man. Halo Man. Mr. Chief. Um, <laughs> the show is really inconsistent in writing his characterization, but when he is on the more stoic side of things, including the many, 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 many scenes of him without his helmet, um, I, I really like Pablo. He's a very good stand-in. His voice is good for Chief. I'm glad that they didn't try to dub it over with Steve Downs. I'm okay with them not just being the games. That's a lame opinion to have if you're one of those people. But... The characterization is wildly inconsistent from scene to scene and episode to episode. So there are many, many, many moments where Pablo is just going the hell off and being very, very angry. And it's weird. So um, Spencer is talking weird damage control voice right now because what he means to say is that the dude played the part 
that was written well. But the part that was written was piss poor. And the poor actor has been shat on a lot and has defended his spot a lot. And our stance is nothing against the guy, but the, the writers. The guy. Yeah, no, definitely the writers. So, yeah. Um, Just to clear the air a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jen Taylor returning as the voice of Cortana was wonderful. Perfection. Blue Mommy. Blue Mommy. I quite like the character design. I swear I'm the only one. I like how it looks like a video game character. I think it's fine. It's a hologram. I don't know if the Cortana model was just based off of Jen Taylor or if she did any motion capture for that. It's kind of hard to tell. Who knows? Uh, and then we also have um, Natasha McEhone. I have no idea how to pronounce her last name as Halsey, who was really fucking awesome, to be fair. She was the perfect... I almost used a slur. <laughs> she was the perfect character you love to despise. Yes. She's very entertaining to watch. She's very consistently enrapturing on the screen. Yes. Um, honestly, I think the thing on the whole that this show, the strong, strong, actual, real positive, I think most of the cast is really good. There's a couple of people that are not wonderful. There's a couple. Yes. There's a couple. Yeah. But... And they eventually came into it, but yeah. there were definitely some flat spots. There's a couple. It was like, oh, that would hurt. The entirety of Silver Team is really fucking cool, and I like all of them. Sue me. Um, Blue Team is obviously better because they've had way more time to develop in the games and primarily in the books, but... Um, as a very different dynamic, I really like this team of Spartans. It is cool. They're nice. So the story is... There's a band of rebels that get attacked by the Covenant, and then Mr. Chief comes in and kills them off. Uh, there's a survivor that we follow through the whole show doing something. Um, so we follow that character, um, she goes with Master Chief for an episode or two until he goes to a different planet and finds an old war buddy and they do the predator handshake and he passes the survivor off on that dude and literally leaves. So we follow the two of them for about a third of the show and they kind of split too. And then we follow Master Chief, and then we have the the priestess of the the Covenant. Uh, those are like the three or four main storylines through the show. Am I wrong? No. Okay. So, I'm I'm just gonna say it right now. The Survivor plotline sucks. I was bored yeah. to tears. It felt like. She was just doing things, and there wasn't a whole lot of reason to it. It just felt like the worst kind of filler. I'm sorry. Yeah, and especially since she's designed to be a POV character to introduce us to this world through a normal person's eyes or whatever. Uh, it's really disappointing. I don't think this show really needed a PO like a, a 
fresh set of eyes POV character. I think it could have just followed any of the Spartans and it would have been fine. So the sci-fi isn't so high-minded that you need to get everything explained to you. My biggest complaint about this show is that it feels like they took all the yard sale resources they could find from Star Trek sets and tried to make a Halo fanfic TV show. And so the Survivor's plotline could have been completely cut from this show and thrown in a Star Trek season and nobody would have known. True. Um, the plotline with the priestess... Is there a better word? I don't think so. Okay. For the Covenant is kind of interesting. I, I kind of liked it, actually. <laughs> Because you have the old creepy dudes that are definitely not religious commentary. No, not at all. Not at all. The prophets have definitely never been prophets. No. No. Um, but then you have this human priestess <laughs> um, that's kind of rising up and sort of bucking the system, but also maybe trying to take it over. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of liked it. It was an interesting twist. Um, has the snuggle time with Master Chief, which is definitely blasphemy. We'll get to that. Inconceivable. It's interesting that all the religious commentary is chasing after the magic rock. That is most of Master Chief's storyline. He touches a magic rock and sees things. And that eventually leads to finding Halo at the end of the show. Yeah. So those two things intertwining were good. Uh... I, so my problem with the insurrectionist storyline isn't that it exists, but it's more so that it's just infinitely more boring than it is in the games and the books. Yeah. Whereas, so if you don't know the books like up me. until like halo four and five ish no okay technically on reach it's relevant like it, the insurrectionist storyline isn't relevant until at least 2010 like at minimum the fact that there's a human civil war going on in the middle of this conflict isn't relevant for the most part up until the expanded lore it's really interesting i find that to be some of the more interesting stuff in the series in general there have been whole books written about it the conflict between the unsc and the various different human governments as well as the insurrectionists is super fun in the books it's great stuff that's they they were the first group of people to have contact with the covenant but this show is really bad at doing military espionage which is a crime because it doesn't seem to be too hard to do because every other sci-fi show does it better. Which and is also a lot of CBS shows are cop and and military shows. So right. why? It that's just the really disappointing thing for me. And yeah, Quan is not a great character. We're just gonna leave that one alone. Um, that was another thing I had was that a lot of the just dialogue felt like any other copy paste CBS show, and that pissed me off a lot. Yeah, because. I really don't like the sound of those shows. Me neither. So yeah, that was hard to sit through. Um, the effects are very hit or miss. Legit 50-50. Yep. It was like, oh, that was a cool shot. There's hope for the show. And that's a wire. You can see the wire. Yeah. It. 
or that's an unpainted gun. Yeah, that, I still cannot believe they left that in. Or it's there's multiple sequences that are just entirely CG generated and they look worse yeah. than like the cinematic trailers for the games from 15 years ago. Or like, even original Halo <laughs> cinematics. Yeah. Um, the fact that... I can't believe they haven't pulled a Disney and painted that gun after releasing the show. Um, like, how hard can that be? It was a few frames. The general vibe, which is something that's really disappointing for me, as CBS slash Paramount is doing really well with Star Trek lately. Yep. Like, they're fucking killing it. As yep. a longtime Star Trek fan... The past few shows have been phenomenal. Which no is real... nice because it's been a drought. Yeah, no real budgetary issues, no real, oh, okay, I see what you had to do because you didn't have the money. Like, none of that crap. They're great. And Halo requires the same amount of effort and budget, potentially more, but this seems to have just put all the money down the drain. Like, this is a really expensive show, but... It doesn't look like it. Yeah, and not even in, like, a create... Like, there have been multiple Halo fan films, official short films, and other... There's another short series that was released ages ago, and, like, other stuff. There's other officially licensed Halo things that are in live action that look infinitely better than this and were way cheaper. It's a, it's more of a problem of throwing money at it instead of giving it either time or effort. Red versus blue does not count. No, red versus blue does not count. Um, but, like, there's a freaking uh, Neil Blomkamp directed, like, a 10-minute Halo short in 2012 or whatever, and that looks better than this whole show combined. And that's old it just there's something f go i don't know if it's because it's rushed or if it's because the showrunners don't really care for the show it just it's not it's change of canon that's not really a problem it's not the change in characterizations really it's the general inconsistencies whereas some episodes are okay and some episodes are abysmal. Yes. Like, yeah. It, le it legitimately felt like every time I turned on a new episode, I didn't know what I was going to get. It doesn't yeah. feel like a uh, episodic or serialized show. It's really awkwardly in the middle. The plot carries over every episode like a serialized show, but it comes across like it's episodic. It's hard to describe. It has a weird quality to it, which I don't think was the intended goal. Some episodes were evenly split between the three storylines and then i think the ending was legit one episode wrapped up survivor completely it was all about her and then the last two were mostly master chief with a little bit of priestess mixed in but yeah. it was like so choppy it it didn't know who it whose story it wanted to tell yeah it it was like there were long spaces of yuck and then all of a sudden we would be back with John and I'd be like holy shit Master Chief is still in this show yeah and then, there's, and then there's like look one, at that suit yeah and then there's one like pretty well done action sequence and then it's immediately followed up by some atrocious dialogue and, and it just, he took the helmet off again yeah it's the show doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't, it bounces back and forth between being a kind of inspired by Halo thing to a story in the Halo universe, but not the story of Halo, if that makes any sense. Or it wants to be an adaptation of the games, or it wants to be like a military espionage show, or 
it wants to come across like an Arrowverse show. It just, it's so inconsistent because there are some scenes that are legitimately really good. There are some costumes that are very good. Yep. There's a handful of action sequences which are pretty darn good. There's a couple flakes of good lore. Yeah, there's there's some interesting changes here, which I do find very fascinating. And then there's... Some decisions that just don't make any sense at all, like removing the Spartans' repressed sexual drive so Master Chief fucks the unnecessary human covenant person, which is so dumb. So the the thing is, the, the show ends on a pretty decent note, and I think it sets itself up for a better place moving into the next season for sure. But there's some things that you just kind of have to either drop entirely or address well. Like, okay, so from here on... That didn't happen. The sex scene was all a dream. Yeah, like, now we're going to be moving into basically just Combat Evolved. But, like, is the... is the Pretty much. Unless they did Reach. No. They've already shown Reach in the show. It's so bizarre. It just... It... I hesitate to say it's from lazy writers who don't care about Halo because that comes across as extremely entitled and weird. You can not be super familiar with Halo and still want to utilize the lore for different purposes. That's fine. And there's nothing wrong with like not being really familiar with it. If it just interests you and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. I wonder what we could we could twist this around and we could try this. That's fine. But it seems like the general vibe is laziness, not. Yeah. The actors typically are giving it a lot of effort, and there are some people, I guess, in the the rest of the crew that are trying, because sometimes there's a good action scene, and sometimes there's a cool design, and then other times it's like, what the hell happened here? Even Am if, I watching, like, The Flash Season 7 or something? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Even if this had been Star Trek Combat Evolve, I would have been happy. That would have been fine. But this show just couldn't wash off the shit stains of... Uh, generic cop or military drama or CW. Yeah. And I couldn't stand it. If they didn't have the budget or time or skill to write a Master Chief-centric The Story of Halo type deal, they could have done an in-universe... You know, oh, this is some side story of this character on this planet, blah, blah. That's what half the books do, is just random characters going about their business with weird plot lines involving Oni and the UNSC and the Covenant and whatever that aren't super impactful to the games. That's fine, but they decided to bite off way more than they could chew and tried to do both with the budget to do neither. On the whole, this is certainly not the worst video game adaptation I've seen in my life. It really isn't. That is your opinion. Is this worse than Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Jacob? Would you rewatch this? In five years, will you rewatch this? Sure. Right now, right now, no. I will never rewatch this. This w- was such a pain to watch. I will rewatch the entire Resident Evil series before watching this. I just really think you have a thing for Mila Yolo. No! I- I'll rewatch Mortal Kombat. I'll rewatch all the Tomb Raiders. I'll rewatch um, the, 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 the horror one that hasn't had a game in a long ass time. Um,. Oh, oh um, PT was Silent Hill. Yes, I'll rewatch those. Oh dear Lord, no. <laughs> no! I hated this show. I don't like it. It was so half-assed and half-hearted. From a 
director writer standpoint I don't know how to feel about it and that's the thing that bothers me the most is I don't I can't I don't feel comfortable saying anything because every is like well episode one had really bad dialogue but episode two had some really good one-liners and then episode three had like that really cool action scene it's like I don't feel comfortable with any blanket statements negative or positive it's so incredibly mid and just in stupidly inconsistent Dude, it's above Raccoon City, though. That's that's for sure above Raccoon City. I'll call it even. Wow. That's sad. Raccoon City's ridiculous. Yes. And it's fun to laugh at. But this I one would, has Jen Taylor. I would drink and laugh at Raccoon City before being forced to watch nine episodes of this. I would get drunk and watch at, a couple of these episodes. At least Raccoon City is freaking 60 minutes long. I guess. End result. Um, I'm tired, but on the bright side, eventually as we grow backwards through movie through video game adaptations... There are good Halo things that we will, at some point, end up watching, and those will be fun. Do you have any other trivia for me? No. Well, cock and ball. Well, give me your game, Daddy. What have you been doing? I I'm going to give you one more guess before I'm proven wrong. Fine. Um, Super Mario. No. Damn it. Wrong. Dumb and gay. Dig Dug. No. All right. That's my last one. Dude, Dig Dug is awesome, though. I love Dig Dug. That was one of my first video games. Wow. You I, are old. I had the uh, Namco collection on the Game Boy Advance. Yes. It had uh, Ms. Pac-Man, Galaxian, or so, Galaga. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Dig Dug, uh, Pole Position, and I don't remember the fifth one. That's going to bother me now. Oh, there was only the four. I thought there was a fifth one. Man, I'm good. Injustice 2 is a fighting game released May 11th of 2017 on the PS4, the Xbone, and PC. I'm doing the sequel, not the original. Suck my nuts. I hate you. It was developed by NetherRealm Studios and published by WB Interactive. It is a sequel to Injustice Gods Among Us from... 2013. Amogus? I was waiting for it. Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. Woo! God's Amogus. So the story is that Brainiac has come to take over the world in the midst of the usual injustice tomfoolery. Which... Tom Taylor foolery? Ah! <laughs> If you, the listener, have not listened to our other show, Dime Comic Bros, where we have our very special needs son, Colin, with us, and I have talked about the Injustice comics, uh, Batman and Superman are not agreeing. Superman uh, was tricked into killing his wife and was like, that does it, no more crime on Earth, and became... Uh, superhero Hitler, super Hitler of the world, and ended crime, and there's peace everywhere. Except... You know what that? You know what that turns him into, right? Shitler. Whoa. I'm original. Uh, Batman is not okay with the absolute power, absolute control, uh, thing that Superman's got going on. So he is a 
rising up against the man. And it's basically a civil war for DC. So, anyway. They're doing that. And Brainiac is like, ooh, civil war. I'm going to take over the world. So it's up to the heroes and villains of Earth to prevent Brainiac or each other to win the crazy war of the supers. I'm sure there's some nerd out there pulling his ears off because I've butchered the story, but I don't care. That's not what I'm here for. I want cool face-offs again. Batman versus Superman. Harley Quinn versus Joker. Harley Quinn versus Poison Ivy. But not Harley Quinn versus Green Arrow because their chemistry in the comics is one of my favorite stories ever <laughs> that I've ever read. Uh, the story goes on for several chapters. I want to say 12, maybe? And ends with Batman and Superman both fighting Brainiac, meaning you, the player, have to beat Brainiac twice, once with Superman, once with Batman, and then you make the choice of who wins the injustice argument, Batman or Superman, which is Whoa. very, very, very different from the comics so far. True. Uh, as for the visuals, most of the time they were great. Cutscenes especially were buttery smooth, and it was hard much harder to tell in this game versus uh, the first one, the original, when the cutscene ended and when the characters were in-engine or in-game. Lasers especially, for some unknown reason, looked wicked sharp, super sharp, uh, which is fine by me because there were many different colored lasers in this story, so it made for a very fun light show. Think of uh, the Clone Wars, the cartoon, when you've got all these crazy dogfights going on and you got red and green blaster bolts going back and forth but instead you've got all kinds of flying superheroes with different colored lasers from guns or eyes or whatever shooting at Brainiac's host of robots that are blasting back lots of cool laser effects um, characters vary from looking great to eh, okay Sometimes it looked like an action figure where their clothes are a part of the body. Like hmm. an action figure just has that part of the model painted on as clothing. Um, this certainly didn't take away from the experience. It's just my biggest visual complaint, which <laughs> could certainly be worse. This game felt like it focused a lot more on the story with a lot more cutscenes. So I'm glad that they looked great. Normally I get annoyed when I'm watching a movie when all I want to do is be playing a video game, but I enjoyed this. The cutscenes didn't overstay their welcome. Or I should say the story didn't overstay its welcome. I have a section for sound design. I didn't write anything in my notes though. Sound design's fine. Nice. There's nothing really to talk about. Nothing bad stood out. Nothing outstanding stood out. Everything sounded the way it should. Everything was balanced pretty well. It's kind of like a security guard. If you ask him how work was and he says boring, that's a good day. You don't want an exciting day as a security guard. You don't want notes on sound design. Like, I didn't notice sound, which means it was done very well. <laughs> uh, gameplay. So here's the thing. Oh, dear. I have a knockoff, but officially licensed or officially approved Xbox controller for my PC. I know it's a knockoff because the D-pad doesn't feel 
the same as an actual Xbox controller. I've played with both. This one is not the same. I can feel it. Uh, and so that is exactly what I blame for me not doing well at this game for a while. The D-pad is shitty. <laughs> um, I legit couldn't perform moves requiring flicking left and right quickly. So like left, right, Y, for example. Same with the stick. It's too small and just doesn't work for me. I need a bigger stick to grab onto. And so I did the opposite of our network's creed and went and spent money and bought a fight stick controller so that I could actually play this freaking game. That's right. This is a mini review inside of a review. Ha I got you again. You're evil. I know. After a lot of research, it was pretty obvious that the best quality for a decent price is the Kanba, or Kanba, spelled with a Q-A-N-B-A. That rings a bell. Drone. The only thing I haven't done that all my research su suggested to do is to replace the gate on the actual stick from a four direction to an eight way. So there's like a little plate that the stick goes through that limits what inputs you're you're doing left right up down right so um absolutely everybody said take that plate out put a new one in it gives you eight directions instead of four i thought as a noob i would want four but it turns out you need eight directions to be playing these games because you need the diagonal arrow yeah up to jump over characters or to perform other moves uh i got by without it i'll change it out eventually it's a cheap fix uh i love the feel of this controller it works great my only complaint about it is that any button press even when i'm not playing just testing the the buttons with the softest press is so loud which only intensifies when the fight isn't going well <laughs> uh other than that you have if you have a couple of fighting games stacked up in the corner of your room, I would suggest this controller. If you're a diehard fighting game fan, get something more expensive, better quality, whatever. But if you're just a passive fighting game fan, if you play them like, like one different fighting game a year, this is definitely worth it. Uh, the one I got is PlayStation specific, so it's pretty cool that all the buttons on your PlayStation controller, like the the but, uh, picture taking button, is on this controller as well. There's also a couple of weird input settings that I haven't really checked out yet. Something about a turbo mode and different input speeds or something. I don't know. Turbo. Good investment. I think I got it for 90 bucks. And I've got a stack of fighting games that I've been just pushing off because my controller sucked. So I'm looking forward to reviewing those at some point. All that said, when I could finally control the game, it ran very well. NetherRealm is no stranger to fighting games, being the company that has been making many of the last Mortal Kombat games. I did not do my research to see how far back they go. Pretty sure NetherRealm was the original Mortal Kombat creator. Really? I'm very positive on that, actually. Okay. Uh, all the usual controls are here. Specials, combos, juggling, everything as expected. The newest addition to this game that I noticed was that quite often a pair of characters would run into the next level. Say you got Green Arrow and Black Canary running up, 
carrying on the story and they would encounter a villain a villain would approach them. I should a challenger say. approaches. And you, the player, gets to choose which character you want to fight the villain as. Green Arrow or Black Canary. Oh, whoa. While the other character that you didn't choose goes away and cries because you didn't choose them. No. Uh, they go deal with another problem explained away in the story. So if you choose Green Arrow, he's like, I'll fight Gorilla Grodd. And Black Canary will be like, all right, I'll go unlock the computer or check the gate or whatever <laughs> i'll go start up the ship so we can make a fast getaway something like that i really 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 like that they offered an option so many times so frequently because it gives me a filthy casual to fighting games hope of beating the chapter with my play style green arrow and black canary have very very different play styles and 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 specials green arrows more of a long distance fighter whereas black canary is up in your face and if you can't master one character's specials and combos and stuff then you're gonna get wrecked right. so it it gave me hope of actually playing the story my own way and not having to struggle so hard with a character that i just can't play as Speaking of a hope to win, I noticed that the difficulty would dramatically swing. I was playing on medium difficulty, and I'd just be playing along just fine, and then suddenly get absolutely curb stomped. I'd restart the fight, and I'd do okay. I'd just barely lose, but still lose. I'd start it again, and win... No problem at all. Like, the, the there were a couple of times when the villain would just stand there as I'm wailing on him. Like, completely different from the first encounter. It's noticeable, too. The opponent would use all kinds of special moves and juggle me ceaselessly on the first attempt. And then the third time, they would just stand there. Uh, very weird. I kind of wish it was just a flat difficulty. It seemed to be... If I had to take an educated guess, I would say it was a reactive difficulty. It was like, hey, you're doing really well. Hard mode. Yeah. And then, oh, you suck, actually. And then take it down to easy. So, very, very odd choice. I found a whole bunch of people online complaining about the AI as well, specifically calling out medium difficulty, which, like I said, I was playing. Those people blame the AI for reading your inputs too well, which is a bit too far into the systems for me. I don't know who's to blame. The supers are back from Injustice 1, meaning if your super bar is full, you can pull both triggers on the controller, the regular controller, at the same time to trigger an ultimate that is just a cinematic that deals a crap ton of damage. It is possible, but very difficult, to block it but there are other things that you can use that power bar for. Um, there's a clash system where it's like if you both grab each other, like to th to to throw, um, it'll initiate a clash or something like that. I couldn't figure it out. Um, and you can use a quarter of your ult ultimate bar, ultimate meter, um, as like a rock paper scissors, I guess to see who wins the clash mm. and make back some of your health depending on 
how many bars you use. The ultimate is the simp's way of dealing all, basically a quarter of the opponent's total damage. Uh, with that being said, it honestly gets pretty old watching these cinematics over and over again. It was quite often I would get two per match, which meant fighting, watching the same video twice in the same fight. It at least let me check my phone or steal a sip of my drink mid-match, but it gets old. Unfortunately, there's pretty much only one thing that this game is well known for. The loot boxes are certainly there. What I just want to sit down and listen to a CD or something. Uh, just chill. I'll play a little Overwatch until I catch cancer and die. Those loot boxes are perfectly fine because it's just skins or audio or emotes. It's all cosmetics. Those are fine. Because <laughs> it's just cosmetics. It doesn't affect the game. In Injustice, you have almost the same amount of playable characters. Injustice has six more. But all the loot boxes drop armor pieces or paints to change the character's outfit colors. Every armor piece has stats and special effects that affect your online play, unless, of course, you play the game mode that nullifies all those stats and armor pieces. So the loot boxes are either super pay to win to get better gear and thus better stats, or entirely pointless if you play the game mode that nullifies them. That's weird. What they should have done is just made a crap ton of skins and paints and let you win or earn those. The armor idea is cool because it, although barely, changes the look of the character. Uh, their weapons especially were really fun to look at when you got a different one. But the whole system is stupid. I believe Injustice 1 just had base change of outfits. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they were unlocked from the beginning, if I remember right. Something along those lines, yeah. In closing, the story is very enjoyable. As someone who has read a large amount of the Injustice comics, I really enjoyed seeing a different story told in the same setting as the first game. The multiplayer is mostly dead by now, so you're pretty much just buying this story... You're pretty much just buying this game for the story and the Towers game mode, which is renamed Multiverses in this franchise. It's just the... Mortal Kombat has those challenge towers right it's the same thing Goof. i bought the complete edition for 16 dollars. honestly it's too bad the multiplayer is dead because there are some really cool dlc characters like hellboy and the tmnt that you can't use in the story right. you can only use them in in the, the multiplayer the online or co couch co-op i guess um if you want a solid fighting game story for super cheap grabbing the base game is a no-brainer um it, i'm sure you could find it on sale pretty easily i think it's like 10 to 15 bucks yeah. now the complete edition i think is like 20 15 to 20 yeah yeah um if you have the opportunity to play couch co-op a lot the legendary edition on s sale would be worth it in my opinion just because of those cool characters that they add but right. it's entirely what you're going to use this game for i enjoyed it for 16 bucks that's not too bad and i played on pc nerd so the game that was played in space in what year is this story 
1993. Ooh, that's much later than I thought. A Russian astronaut played Tetris on his Game Boy on the way to the International Space Station. Cool. Game Boy. Game Boy. It's in space. funny that it was a Russian astronaut because the music playing was a Russian made by a Russian composer. Oh yeah. As told. I remember that. I remember. Oh, I remember. I remember. So, thank you for listening to this episode of Dime Gaming Bros Podcast. I think it's episode 8. I have no idea what game I'm playing next month because my Xbox is currently locked away in a storage unit and I'm going to be playing on my laptop. So we will find out what that becomes. So I have no idea what I'm going to be playing next month. Thanks. We will be reviewing the new Netflix Resident Evil adaptation, which is coming out in like a week from now. So July 14th. So like two weeks from now. So we will be reviewing that next episode. Jacob, do you have any idea what you'll be playing next month? Uh, I have several going right now. I've got Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I've got Wolfenstein 2 still. I've got Super Hot. I think I got one or two others. I don't know. So I'm maybe like, one of those or none of those. Exactly. We will find out together. It'll be two days before we record and I'll just find a five hour indie game. Yeah, probably. So tune in next month for stuff. Yes. And more news. I wonder if we're going to hear anything from Activision Blizzard or Microsoft. I, I wanted to Activision. go a whole episode without mentioning that. Blizzard. I don't have time for this. It's kind of cool and quaint to have a Diablo on your phone. Excuse me for having fun. Diablo. Just a little on the loud side. I see you had a cold open. <laughs> Fuck you. That's stupid. I did not mean to do that. That's, I have a cold open. That's great. That's incredible, actually. <clears throat> Balls. Oh, cock and ball. I had to sneeze. I've already watched it four times. All right, fine. <laughs>